that's the goodness of God. There's nothing more precious in our lives than the presence of God. That is something that we must seek every day. And in our busyness, we forget that. One of the things, that we, the traps we fall into is that we, we don't think sin is as, as damaging to our spirits and to our souls as it is. Nor do we believe that God's grace is as awesome as it is. And may God give us all a paradigm shift in that area where we just understand how gracious God is. Think about this for a moment. You, me, every being in existence will never, ever exhaust the grace of God for all of eternity. Do you think God's going to shortchange you on grace on this side of heaven? Perish the thought. <laughs> God is good, and he wants to share that with you. Now tonight, Psalm 35, I, I have no idea how far we're going to get, but if you start falling asleep, I'll know it's time to quit. <laughs> I'll be respectful of our time because the worship team has to, to practice. This is a prayer for God's intervention. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've got no place to turn to. Your friends have deserted you what you thought and who you thought you could depend upon and what you thought was sure and steadfast and actually the biggest blessing in your life turned out not to be so. And now you're on the run for your life. Not many of us in this room face life and death situations on a day-to-day -day basis. Now that may happen in the future. We think about our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Their lives, some of them, hang in a balance daily. Now we should pray for the persecuted church. That has, if we were in bonds with them, it's easy to you know, be worried about what's going on in our lives. Lord, I need to meet this obligation, you know. And my needs, you know. <laughs> and sometimes that's, it just gets, we even gets nauseating for ourselves if we think about it. I mean, how self-centered can we be? You know, well, pretty much we can be real self-centered. But this is you see, when we go through suffering, when we go through pain, those two areas challenge our theology more than anything else. And it's important for us to know that when we go through suffering and when we go through pain and through circumstances that we do not prefer to be in, whatever comes out of us, whatever surfaces in that moment and throughout that trial was always there to begin with. It just took that trial. It took that suffering. It took that pain for it to manifest. I remember going through some deep trials in the past. And I remember one in particular where I became angry with God. And I did not know that I was angry with him. But I raised my voice to my Father in heaven. And after I raised my voice, I stood there in silence for a moment. And I thought, oh my goodness. I, I knew the love of God, so I knew that there wasn't going to be a bolt of lightning. <laughs> But I was ashamed. I was ashamed because at that moment in time, I realized that I was not really a, being very friendly to God, who wanted to be my friend, but I was as a, a, not a good friend, projecting on him like as if he owed me something. And he was indebted to me for something. 
and I was quickly corrected. But it took that moment of my anger towards him that I did not know it was there, and it took that trial to bring that to the surface and to see the ugliness of it all and to repent. Now, I'm not sure that uh, this is all what's going on in David's life here. But, but know this. It took a Saul to make a David. Don't run from your pain. Don't run from your, su- your suffering. In that suffering and in that pain, God has a way of bringing about awesome good. His grace will be displayed beyond your comprehension. You, through that experience, will be able to minister the grace of God to others. And if you run from it, you'll not receive that grace. And if you don't receive that grace, you cannot impart that grace to others. And so it's so crucial that when you're in the trial and you're going through, you're being tribulated, that you just yield. Just, just surrender. Now David was just content to be a sheep herder for his dad. He's number seven. Who cares about number seven, son? You're a little punk in the eyes of your siblings. But God had a plan, and God was training him out there in the sheepfold to be a shepherd of his people. He got really good at his craft as a musician. So what was he doing out there besides herding sheep? He was working on his craft learning how to play before the Lord, learning how to... He was gifted, extremely gifted. He had more talent in his little finger than most people have in their whole life, their whole being. I mean, this guy was extremely gifted. Not only was he a musician, but he was a tremendous warrior, fearless individual, a passionate soul, fought off bears and lions without thinking about it. i got to do my job. You're going down, bear. You're going down, lion. I don't intimidate by you. My God's with me. I mean, this kid was just full of faith. And he gets, and because of his worship of God, and it all, and really, that's what we need to see there. David's life was a result of his worship of God. And so that is, and I want to insert this back in here, that is the only way you can get through suffering. That is the only way you can get through grief, is to worship God. Worshiping God is, is the answer to every problem to every issue that we face because he is the God that is in control of all things and it is in our worship that we commune with him that he shows us and he reveals himself and we get what we need whatever that is be it comfort be it peace be it provision be it counsel it all comes through our worship of him and so David was exalted to a place of leadership because of his dedication and commitment to God his worship of God. And so as he's called to serve his brothers by taking them supplies from his dad's warehouse, and he goes there and they're on the front lines being taunted by Goliath, and he is given an opportunity. God had already prepared him for that. And then it, from that point on, it, he was, and even before that, he was brought in as a musician. The gifting as a musician those gifted by God who are dedicated to God who leave it there he, that gift will exalt you God will use that to raise you up to do whatever he's called you to do he was called in the king's court he sang before the king that raised him up and then now has a warrior God is giving him opportunity 
And so David is raised to a position of great honor and great respect. They're singing songs about him. Saul's slain his thousands, but David is 10,000. Mighty. I mean, this guy is getting more attention. He's the number one hit in the nation, I mean. And more, got hit songs, greatest warrior. I mean, what, what, what could go wrong? I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Well, a mad king, a backslidden king, bent with jealousy and envy, is enraged against David. He realizes through his failure that he and his line is, as he's heard from Samuel, the prophet of God, that it's, it's, it's over. He has sinned away and he has blown his opportunity and his line is no more. But he's fighting against that. He wants Jonathan, his son, to take the, the throne after he has departed. But Jonathan loves David and he recognizes God's hands upon David. And so this begins this whole 10 to 13 year period of David being on the run. And this psalm is recording the raw emotions that David was experiencing as he was on the run. Now there's other psalms that probably have some of this in there. And David is all over the map here. This is probably one of the toughest psalms to outline, actually, because he's all over the map. And when we're going through trials and tribulations, what are we? We're no different. We're all over the map. Lord, I'm an absolute trash. I'm I'm a train wreck, Lord. I'm a mess. <laughs> it's so easy. The longer you older you get, the easier it is to admit that. I'll tell you. And so, in this psalm. He is being hunted mercilessly by Saul, who wants to kill him. And anybody that's associated with him trying to assist him, they all need to die. David leaves initially because he realizes uh, through communications with Jonathan that there's no way he, sh- he can come back. And so he goes and sees the priest. The priest ends up dying. David gathers some men with him. And God brought men to support him. They be, some became later on his mighty men. This is one of these psalms that it's um, it, it's a psalm that announces a curse upon your enemies. And this is one of the few psalms that doesn't have a hymn made from it. And you, when we when you go through, it, you, you're going to understand why. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> David wants his enemies to be shamed. Now, how are you going to sing that to the Lord? Lord, shame my enemies. I mean, how are you going to? I mean, wait, that doesn't really roll out quite well, very well, does it? And so, you have those that um, actually think this is a violation of the New Testament principle that we were taught by Jesus. You know, what did Jesus tell us to do? He told us that we ought to forgive. Has he forgave? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That was Jesus' approach, you know, to turn the other cheek. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. So as you read through this psalm, you kind of think, well, man, David sure didn't get that. Well, there... And I... I get David. 
I identify with David. I'm honest with myself. This is how I feel about some of my people that hate me, which isn't like David in any way. But there's, not everybody's going to like you. Unfortunately, that's true of pastors. Now, we can bring that upon ourselves by being mean-spirited and beating people up from the pulpit. I mean, there's lots of ways you can you know, invoke that from people. Uh, and I don't think that's what's going on here. But the more people you begin to influence and the higher you get in the, in the culture, in leadership capacity... I mean, just for example, we can see what's going on in Washington, D.C. Now, that's not a perfect man by any stretch, and he knows it, and everybody else knows it, but he's still getting hammered regularly. You know, if you are an authority figure, if you're a policeman, if you're a fireman, well, not so much fireman, but policemen in particular, they are the most disrespected people in the community. Well, they're respected by those who obey the law, but by everybody else, like, you know, it's just a bad attitude that we have towards authority. And this is sort of what's, what's going on uh, to some degree. David prays for God to contend with his enemies, to shame his enemies, to ruin his enemies. Now, should the Christian, and this is the point at this juncture, should the Christian pray the same way David prayed? Is it wrong for a Christian to have some of these things that come up? Because if we're honest with ourselves, when, when this is going down and, and okay, let's just put this, some flesh on this a little bit. I am outraged inside over what just got passed by the state of New York. I just think it's oh, infanticide. You want to dress it up? It's murder. It's absolute murder of babies I don't how do you how are you going to sugarcoat this this is this is an outrage and to not feel that outrage to me is like are you disconnected from reality you are torturing and tormenting a living being created in the image of God and you're exalting and happy and celebrating that this law got passed oh my goodness what what is going on here I'm not trying to be ultra-dramatic, but this is what's going on. Now, that should cause some kind of conflict within the soul of a, of a believer. And I'm sure it does with most of you. All of you, in that, for that matter. So I don't think it's wrong to have the emotions of outrage when out unrighteousness is present. And this blasphemous spirit against the true and living God. How we handle it should be in the spirit of Christ. And so I'm expressing some of this here. But on a general rule, if you only really knew what I really felt about some of the other stuff that's going on. I mean, I, I get it, David. He doesn't this, say it in this psalm, but he says, break out the teeth of the ungodly. You know, men are kind of that way. If we disagree and we keep disagreeing, we know where this is going. I'm going to punch you and you're going to punch me. I mean, that, we're physical. And so that's how David, in his raw emotions, expresses himself. And he's, he's burnt. He's chapped over what's going on. What did I do to you, Saul? Really? Are you serious? Are you that insecure? Yes, I am. I mean, for the record, yes, he was. And it's really a tough situation here.
I haven't even read one verse yet, sorry. <laughs> but I'm familiar with this psalm, right? And so let's look at the first thing David does in the first well, six verses here. Is he, is we see how he prayed. He's asking for God's intervention. He needs God's intervention. He's alone and by himself for the most part. He's well outnumbered. And he realizes that he is, it is life and death. And so he, the first thing he prays is, God, contend with my enemies. This, the word here, plead my cause, O Lord, for those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of the shield and buckler. Stand up for my help and draw out the spear and stop those who persecute me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. And David, you can see the raw emotion. I mean, this is important to him. Now, when you get into a situation where it's either do or die, then you get passionate. You, what really matters starts to come to the surface. And Lord, help us to get there more without having maybe to go through that. But look what, how he prayed. He asked the Lord. You, and this is plead my, it's, a, it's a legal position because he knows it's life and death. Lord, you, in a sense, be my attorney. Be my legal, as it were, and defense attorney. And in this case, take up weapons. Take up the shield and the buckler. We're in war. This is war. And I, 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 you got to believe what we're going through as a nation right now. This is war. You know, we prayed so hard. We, we have, we've had 30 years, almost 30 years of poor leadership leading our nation. The presidency has been run by poor leaders. Well, we had, they were good leaders in the sense they could lead people, but their policies were rotten because they were world, one world order agenda. We've got someone now that's in opposition to that and thank the Lord. Whoa, you need help. You've got to see that where we're at as a nation, we're on the, we're on the edge we prayed so hard that God would deliver us from the direction that we were heading. It was getting so bad, and we were so hopeless. You know, we're just being taxed to death, regulated to death, ripped off completely. And then God heard our prayers, and he's brought someone, not a perfect person, but someone to give us a little respite from that a little breathing room, a little space maybe of, of changing things. And now the natural thing to do for us is to, no, do not relax. Now is not the time to relax. We need to be praying and seeking and asking God to make the changes necessary while we have a person like this leading our nation. Well, aren't you getting a little bit political? Yes, because I care about my family. I care about my grandchildren. I care about this nation. And we were heading in the, extremely the wrong direction. And now we're moving back the other way. And so we need to pray even more fervently that God directs and puts the right men in leadership throughout this nation on every level so that we can take back what the enemy has taken from us. And so we're asking God. And you should have some of those raw emotions coming out when you pray. 
This is life and death. It's life and death for those little people in the womb. Who's going to stand up and plead for their cause if it's not us? So, God help us. He's asking early, Lord, in verse 2 and 3, stop those that are coming against me. It's more than I can handle. And, and politicians are not going to change the country. The only thing that can really change our country, and this is where our prayers always should land, is a revival. We need the church of Jesus Christ to repent and turn with all our hearts to the Lord and to begin to seek Him, to rend our hearts and not our garments and to just say, God, you're the only one that can fix this mess that we've gotten ourselves into through neglect or however means we've gotten here. God help us. And, and he can do that. Look at David's emotions here. Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Let them be like the chaff before the wind. Let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery. Let the angel of the Lord pursue them. For without cause they have hidden their net from me in the pit, which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon them unexpectedly. Let his net be that he has hidden. Catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. I mean, he is going for it, man. Now, do you see that being a conflict with the Spirit of Christ in the New Testament? No, that's probably not. I think you're perfectly, and I feel, perfectly justified in getting worked up in my prayer life against those. I'm going to let God render the judgment. I'm not going to tell God how to measure it out. I just know that these are issues. These are real problems. And it really bothers me. And I, I feel that we have that freedom in Christ to totally express the emotion that we feel. And, but also to take in consideration that I myself am capable of having a liberal mindset, blinded and full of hatred. I am capable of the same mindset that I oppose this day. So I don't judge the individuals. They are blind they are without hope. They are without God in this world and they are to be pitied. But they are still responsible for their actions. And I'm asking God to intervene and to deal with the actions that they're taking that are destructive. And that they might do the same thing that I once did and the thing, same thing that you once did and that was to repent and to turn. They're capable of choosing God. And I want to pray that along with all these other things, because it may be the very correction that God brings into their life that causes them to, to repent and to yield. It's not the judgment of God that leads people to repentance, is it? Look at, you know, you think about the judgment of God, you automatically think about the book of Revelation, right? I mean, there's some serious stuff coming down. Do, do you see the wicked repenting? The hardened sinners? It makes them harder. They did not repent of their fornications, of their thefts, and all the other things that they were doing. What does the Bible teach us? It is the goodness of God. It's something that we desire to receive regularly, moment by moment from God, the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. 
So the emotions are, you, you, you get my drift here. The, the emotions that we feel towards the unrighteous things that are happening in our midst, this child trafficking, this, oh my goodness, the pedophilia. You know, and I'm not asking you to look this up and do the research on it. I'm abreast of it to, to probably a greater degree than I should be, but it, it just burns me. And it's going on in every city. It, well, it wouldn't happen in Greenville. I mean, we're part of the Bible Belt. I do have some inside information of the things that go on in the community straight south of us. The trafficking of young women and, and all. And you know what's really sad? A lot of the abusers are pastors and judges. It's a disgraceful thing to say, but it's true. We've got a problem. And it's, it's not just here. It's everywhere. And so you, you get my drift. We got a lot of praying to do. But they can repent. And this is, I believe if we will, as the church, stay true and our, we let our light so shine before men and we don't compromise in that and we are tenacious in our love and in our mercy expressed to these people. God can reach them. They can repent. There's only one judge. We're just servants. David asked the Lord to contend with his enemies, to shame his enemies. I mean, think about that. Blow them away. <laughs> Let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let the angel of the Lord pursue them. Get after them, Lord. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I get... I want, I, I want to chuckle at his emotions, but I, I can't too much. Wow, David, you're really upset, you know. <laughs> let destruction come unexpectedly. I mean, you know, let them reap what they've sown. Whew. David's real, man. I love it. And I think that's the point. Just be who you are. I know I'm probably a little more dramatic than maybe some of you, and that's fine. You know, we are who we are. It's just a lot on the line. Yes. Yes. Passionate. I mean, I see what I see what David did. I see what Jesus did in the, in the temple when, in, with the money changers and the will. I see God's anger at sin with Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know, I don't think it's wrong for people to be afraid of a man. God made us. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's taking authority. All authority is given in Jesus' name, and he's giving that to us. It's taking the authority that he's given us. It's not being a dictator or lording over. It's just walking in who? Righteousness. Would you guys please stop 
Well, you, 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 you inf- what, we're do- what we do is we enforce the law. We enforce the law. Yeah. And we, we, that's why we have policemen. And we, that's why we do investigative work. Absolutely. And we prosecute them to the degree of the law. So and we don't turn a blind eye. That's the point. We can't, the point is, what we do, and what you're saying is, we, we, we're just ignoring it. It's not going to go away. It's going to get worse. And if we don't stand up against it, it's going to invade our own families. You know, if, when it starts touching home, that's when people start acting. We need to act before it gets to that point. You know, just like starting the grass fire, you know, let's stop them before they get out of hand here. Because when the wind starts to blow and that, that kind of stuff catches a momentum, and I don't think people realize how, how big a deal this, this border issue is. Now, I, I do know a little bit about the history of Nicaragua. There was a couple, a, a gang, so to speak, in the early 80s, maybe in the late 70s. His name was Daniel Ortega. Came up from Costa Rica and they began to move about and have their wreak havoc in Nicaragua. And they caused a lot of problems. They were socialists and, you know, just rebel rousers. But uh, they begin to go to the communities and they begin to, to create a, a band. And their, and their group swelled and they caused a lot of problems. So much so that the Russians got wind of what was going on there and they began to help them and they armed them. And then we had the Iran-Contra thing in the mid-'80s. Now, that was started out with just a handful of people, and it grew. Now, let's just think about the 20... We've got 20 million uh, illegals in our country right now. And we've got another 12,000 coming in. If you spread that around, and you get someone like Iran or someone... Who, who other... Some other enemy that really hates us, right? And they sort of... You know, is this... M- what is this, M13 gang? Or MS13? What? Yeah. And they start arming these guys. You think they might be able to do some terroristic things throughout our culture? And so this is, I'm not trying to scare anybody. This is the harsh reality. This is how things happen. Our greatest weapon is not carnal. It is prayer. And I mean that sincerely. We can put out more fires and destroy the, the strongholds of the enemy through our prayers. But we've got to know what they are. And this is, this wall is an important thing. Yeah. I thought on verse 8 too, when you were talking about, you know, let the destruction come upon us unexpectedly, that we had hidden catch itself. And I think that's a safe way to pray as well, because when Jesus said, you know, that we shouldn't judge because what measure we judge, it'll come back to us. I also believe that when God has shown in the past that he's meted out judgment for people to see, like, judgment that was, was so exact um, that came back on him and it was the exact thing that he had laid out for some, you know, for Mordecai that he was hung on the gallows and his son. And I think you know, I think that's the way God is in his way, so I don't necessarily feel like this is just human. I think that's a justice thing, you know, to pray that the justice of God is, is exact and it's way more exact than what we even comprehend. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm amazed at how God can Let it come back upon their own heads. Let it come back 
Yeah. Amen. Because there's a lot of, you know, just like, mm-hmm. um, you know, corruption that is, you know, affecting a lot of people. And there's a lot of people involved in the corruption. And so, um, yeah. God knows how to, to do that. He, he, yeah, he does. He knows how to measure it out. You know, in the midst of this, this is what's kind of, David's almost like schizophrenic here. <laughs> like, spiritually schizophrenic. Look, what he says in verse 9, And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. <laughs> I, don't, I find that somewhat humorous. I mean, he goes from, you know, kill him. <laughs> Praise you, Lord. <laughs> I mean, really? Well, well, there was a pause there that you didn't see in my music, okay? <laughs> I don't know. But in the midst, here's the point. This is how he prayed. But in, it, David didn't, wasn't just a prayer. He did a lot of that. But he was a worshiper, as I s- stated earlier. He was commanding his soul, regardless of his circumstances, be joyful, rejoice. How many of us, when you're living in a situation where your life is in danger, I mean, one misstep and you're, it, it's over, that you could rejoice? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And 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 it will get to that. That's exactly what happens there. He, he he when he was in trouble he prayed for him. So I mean there's an element, there's a mm-hmm. there's a part of us which I'm and, and I'm taking this from David God said David's a man after all his own yeah. power. Is it I'm I'm taking that like it's okay for us to do what we gotta do even if it gets nasty and ugly well, and, and I, I actually think when, when we are praying that way and, and we worship God, he actually shows us how to pray for his justice. He shows I think David's being led by, I think he's, he's a prophet. He's being persecuted right now, but he's, and he's under the gun, but he's still God's man. And God is showing him how to pray. But he's also, you, you keep things, you, can't, you stay centered in your perspective and you don't go too far to the left or too far, far to the right because you're centered on God. He, and the only way you stay centered on God is to worship Him. He commanded His soul to be joyful, to rejoice in God's salvation. You know, live or die, you know what? The big picture, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with Him. And so He's got this thing. He's got this thing. He's, I've been anointed. I know I'm going to be the king according to Samuel the prophet. I don't know how God's going to pull this one off. But I trust you, Lord. You know, that, I'm sure. Let all my bones say. What's he mean by that? My bones. <laughs> I think he's, that's who you are. You, your bones are like nobody else's bones. That's you. Let, let, my, let the very core of my being rejoice and worship God and, and joy. And then again, look at And he says, Lord, who is like you? Now, when you get a picture of how big God is, which is when you start thinking about his nature and his character, then you realize how small your problem is and how in trouble 
your enemies are. They're in big trouble. Saul was in big trouble and didn't know it. Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, and yes, the poor and needy from him who plunders him. Isn't God, Yahweh's unmatched. He's otherworldly. I mean, what makes our soul any happier than to just think on who God is? You automatically just begin to worship, don't you? So that's a good place for us to stop tonight. He prayed that God would contend with his enemies, shame his enemy, and even ruin his enemies. But in the end, Lord, you're in control, and I worship you. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, we're going to get that next week. It was malicious. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, they were mockingly, maliciously. Oh, yeah. Having their, you know, yeah. no kind of part of life. But they actually did seek to kill him. Mm-hmm. But he did not take those matters into his own hands. That was fear. But he appealed to justice there. Yeah. And that seems to be the difference. There are certain things he could have done, but he would have been in sin. Yeah. Even though he was feeling, he was not acting on those raw emotions inside. He was, he was actually just bringing all that emotion to God, and that's what we do. We don't, you know. You ever notice that when you have an issue and you know you, it's, you're just all pent up, and then you go talk to your wife, <laughs> dump on her, you feel so much better. Now she feels rotten, but you feel much better. <laughs> It's just what we do. I mean, so we're going to do that next week. We're going to look at how David behaved himself compared to what was being put on him. And that's what we have to do. We have to behave ourselves uh, when we're going through the, the suffering and the trial. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. There's so much we learn from it, Lord, about ourselves. And it's some of it's it's hard to accept about ourselves, Lord, but... You're well aware of it, and we just thank you that you're able to forgive us, and you're able to transform us, and heal us, and make us like you. Help us to grow in our faith. Strengthen us, Lord. And Lord, I pray, as we started our service here tonight, Lord, that you would pour out your goodness upon each and every one of us here. That you would through that goodness create a testimony that we might honor you and glorify you and be more dedicated and loving toward you. We yield ourselves to you now, Father. Bless us as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.